3: Where's the manager?
0: Walzer Automotive presents car selling secrets.
3: Welcome to Walzer Automotive Group's car selling secrets. It's Thursday, episode 122. Uh... The That's podcast one twenty two. I think we're at one twenty two. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be a fun episode. We're gonna be telling cab driving stories. Special guest, first time on the show, sitting to my right. Jim Stairs, Andy Brabernard, and Tommy Yelp. and both of them at the same time.
4: Yeah. I, sorry. I, I
2: didn't know where to come in, so I just it was my I fault dozer.
3: We'll be back after this exciting announcement from one of our Take it from Zap, They ship today. We are back with Car Selling Secrets. Uh, my guest, I, it's probably a pushing it a little to say we're friends because we haven't really spent a lot of time together, but I've known Jim a long time. He is uh, well-known in local music circles. He is a great blues uh, electric guitar player. And he's kind of kept that scene alive, uh, running open jams, various clubs around the cities. Um, and I did that for a long time uh, with a good friend of mine, and I knew him when he was Leonard Shapiro before he started all the Moses Oakland stuff. At one point I started calling myself Ayatollah Maplewood. Um, <laughs> but that goes back to the 90s in the Blue Saloon, and Jim's kept that alive. But the reason he's on the show is a couple of weeks ago I discovered that Mike Gelfan and I both drove cab about the same time for blue and white back in the 70s and i remember jim posting pictures on facebook of his cab driving license kind of looking like a blown out drug infested 19 year old thug back in about the same time that's
1: pretty accurate actually yes
3: (laughs) now uh jim's life has changed quite a bit since then and I might be the only person that ever that, that that still drinks on the show. So, anyway, it's great to have you in studio. Um, I don't know how we're going to start this, uh, Mike. When did you? When exactly did you drive for Blue and White? What years do you remember? Yeah, it was.
2: Uh, it was the summer of
3: 1970. Oh wow! So it was, okay. That was before my time. I was trying to remember. Yeah, I was just a kid. I think I, and I and I was like 77 through, yeah, I quit shortly after I got stuffed in the trunk, and I think that was the winter of 80 or 79. Jim, when did you, who did you drive for, and when did you drive?
1: Well, I drove for Yellow, and they had the big cab yep. outfit. It was a big outfit. Drove checker cab, and it was uh, the winter of 80 was when I. To enter winter into the summer.
3: Okay. So do you remember uh, uh, there was a guy that got, it was a blue and white driver that got killed over in north Minneapolis. Was that that same winter?
1: Uh, nope.
3: Maybe it was the year before, and I, so that's I'm, I'm trying to reference. I
1: remember that.
3: I, I yeah, was, I remember that. I was working for the union at the time, which is a great story as well. But I, I sadly, I trained this guy in. Oh. Because back in those days, you remember? I don't know if they did it at yellow, but at blue and white, you rode around with one of the senior drivers for a couple of days, and you know.
1: No, we were just thrown to the wolves. Did
3: they just toss you the keys and say, "Don't yeah. smash it"? Buy
1: up. a Hudson map, and you, there you go.
3: Yeah, this was pre-GPS. Now, the irony of you as a Minnesota native and a former cab driver getting lost coming to the studio, I just have to say that ironic. is pretty funny.
1: <laughs> yes, that was ironic. <laughs> well, GPS, you know, and normally I'm not lost, Yeah, but it happens.
3: <laughs> but in the old days, we, would, we had to carry these huge, they were what, 200 pages?
1: Yep, it was a Hudson book, I think it was nine ninety five. Yeah. I bought it at Schindler's there on Schinder's <laughs> on Seventh Hennepin. Hennepin. Yeah. and Sixth. On each end of the block. Used to and, buy
4: Pokemon cards there.
1: Yep, there you go. <laughs> yep, and then you know, and, and of course, if you asked a dispatcher where to go, yeah. you got chewed out right away. So you learn never to ask anybody. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I found myself bluffing. You know, I just kind of bluffed my weight. Right. Uh, uh, first, I didn't know St. Paul at all. I grew up in Bloomington, mm-hmm. Minneapolis, and I got a call to, first call to St. Paul. wanted to go to the Radisson, and I just got in the car and headed down 94, and I'm looking at buildings, and I see Radisson at the top of the building. So I exited and aimed towards where I thought that was, and I drove right to it. So a lot of working was a miracle.
4: You really. <laughs> must have never driven any Dyna. Because yeah. you see a building and it actually, you have to do like several loops around the planet in order to get to that building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, in St. Paul, too. I mean, it has streets that are one block long. Yeah. I never
3: went downtown St. Paul for, oh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, part of the well, reason. Downtown's pretty easy. It's the rest of the city that's a little bit of a nightmare.
1: Well, I guess downtown to me,
4: you know, growing up in Dayton. I don't really know what downtown means. Downtown to me means four horses instead of just three.
3: <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> Mike, what was it like in 1970? Because you preceded us by nearly a decade in our automotive cab driving career.
2: Yeah, you know those were uh, turbulent times. Of course, it wasn't. It was. Uh, I think we'd we'd kind of transitioned from the summer of love to the summer of hate. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I always felt, uh, you know, like a little bit on edge. But it was, um, you know, I I also. They just threw me in the cab. I didn't I didn't even get the Hudson's map. I bought one, but they didn't give me one. Oh, no, you, oh, we you bought had it. to buy them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they didn't even say, hey, you should buy the Hudson's map. They just said, go ahead, kid, you know, take this one. I'm out of there. And what I used to do, people would say, you know, they'd give me an address, you know, like, like sometimes they'd really, really worry about it because they'd give me an address like in, uh, say, uh, you know, South St. Paul or something. And of course, I didn't. I didn't know where South Saint Paul was. I didn't even know where South was. No sense of direction. So what I would always do, I would say, "Yeah, which way do you usually go?" Mm-hmm. And usually that worked. Although sometimes they'd say, "I ain't never been there before, kid." You know, and then you were kind, kind of on your own. But um, I, I was kind of inspired. I think it was a couple of things. First, I was inspired because I, I, I never thought of anything but driving at night. So I you might say the night was calling to me that's a little too poetic. but with my sleep disorder, you know I, I wanted to drive at night. so that was one thing. And then in an odd perverse way, I was sort of I was sort of inspired by a kerouac you know on the road which was, of course, the, uh, the the first book of the beat generation, which came a little before then, but not that much before then. So it was sort of like a combination of being on the road, being your own guy, and, and also the sense that I knew I was going to have to go out into the real working world pretty soon. Not that cab driving isn't working, but I was going to have to go to a regular job. So I wanted to have a job like that. And, uh, I I made a lot of rookie mistakes. I imagine you guys did, too. You know, may, maybe going somewhere I shouldn't have been going.
3: Yeah, I I was actually pretty fearless. I would pick up people anywhere. Yeah. And what's Love different people. in the cab driving world versus, like, the modern Uber thing is that, you know, by uh, by by statute, if somebody hails you, you right. have to pick them up. So there's two right. ways to get rides as a cab. One is through the dispatch service with people call, call in for a cab. And the other is... People just flag you down, like in the movies. And you know, when you think about it, that I w- wouldn't be comfortable doing that today. But no. when you're 18 and you're oh, you're still right. bulletproof, right? Oh yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah, and, and so, I was I was 19 or 20, uh, and uh, so like I think it was about my second day on the job. I uh, I in, in those days, Bull and white was on University Avenue, so I would just head down University toward downtown, waiting for something. And uh, that day, I managed to make it downtown, and uh, it was about. Eh, this was probably about you know, ten o'clock at night, and uh, the dispatcher calls out an address. I said, "Yeah, I'll take that." You know, I'm just a block away, and uh, so at the, the address it turned out to be the address of a bar, <clears throat> and the bar turned out to be Mousies. Ah. I know Tom remembers Mousies. I
3: remember Mousies. I have a Mousie well,
0: yeah. story, up, actually. <laughs> did you pick up so, Dave Moore? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no.
2: Dave, made the, Dave would have been a Jimmy Hicks. That was yeah, his Yeah,
0: but he, he used to always talk about Mousies on Bedtime News with right, Dave Moore. Right, right on
2: Bedtime News, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Mousies had a reputation, but I didn't know much about it. So I walked in there, and it was like, you know, it was basically standing room only there was bedlam in there i'd never been in in a uh, in a bar like that um i think the only bar i'd ever really been in was the, probably the ones on the west bank like uh you know like like uh, the viking and the triangle yeah the triangle of course was great because yeah. of all the you know willie and the bees and all that but this was a little different <laughs> and so i i go up to the bartender and i said yeah you know jimmy i'm, I'm here for jimmy you know he called for a cab and i I just points to like toward the middle of the of the bar. He says he's over there. Shouldn't help me much, but uh, I asked around. I, I made my way to the middle of the bar. Jimmy was sleeping on the floor.
3: Mm. <laughs> we really needed a count then.
2: <laughs> as yeah. probably were a third of the pe- patrons at Mousy's at eleven thirty in the morning. So. Mm. Yeah, so and naturally, of course, being uh, OCD and a, and a, and having germaphobia, I was immediately repulsed by the fact this guy was on the floor and he was going to it getting into my cab. <laughs> right. It only got worse from there.
0: Can I tell my quick Mousy story?
2: Sure. It's
0: one of my favorites. It's when I used to live over in, in Kenwood. I'm driving downtown to do some voiceover work one time, and I drive by Mousy's, and there's a man and a woman out front of Mousy's, and you could tell by the way they were swaying back and forth, they were just hammered, and it was about 11 in the morning. One of those deals, right? And they're in front of Mousy's, and they're just feeling each other up like there's no tomorrow and dry humping one another <laughs> right there on the sidewalk in front oh, of Mousy's, yeah. right? Oh, I've
2: experienced oh, yeah. that in the cab. Yep.
0: Yeah, you understand that. So the great thing is I go do the voiceover at the Fauché Tower, Bob Schultz. I finish. Hi. I get back in the car. I go the other way on Hennepin Avenue. She's gone. He's laying faced on the sidewalk, <laughs> humping the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs>
3: They served a pretty <laughs> substantial cocktail there for yeah. about 35 yeah. cents.
2: Uh. It doesn't say much for her, but you know that's another story. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's true. Jim, they or, were
2: interchangeable, but uh, but I guess if you're that drunk, Jim or Mike, you pick Mike. up a lot of people who are that drunk when you're driving a cab. Uh, at sure. least that was my experience. Yeah, sure.
3: Did that's either of you guys Dad? ever remember uh, hearing stories about a, a legendary passenger in the Twin Cities named Mel Hansen?
1: I did not, know.
3: Mel was famous. He actually made all his money in downtown real estate in the 50s and then tried to drink himself into the ground for the next 25 years and eventually was successful. Uh, but he was famous for taking cab uh, rides that sometimes could last several days. He would, he'd take yellow cabs up to Mille Lacs to go fishing, and he would tip incredibly well. But the one thing all the old drivers told me was, if you ever get them... He's gonna try you on and ask if you want a drink. Is if you take one, he'll just say thank you and he'll call another cap. Like, okay. So park that in the back of my brain. And I get this call to pick up a guy, you know, 3142 Blaze. And I am like, okay, I'm gonna go in there and pick him up. And this crabby guy gets him, And he's eleven in the morning and he's half shit faced. And it's winter time. And he goes, Snap a U-turn. We're going downtown. I said, Well, I'm not gonna snap a U-turn. I'll we'll just snap it! And he starts swearing at me, and he throws twenty dollars over the seat. I'm <laughs> twenty bucks. I mean, that's a nice tip now. 1978. That's that's pretty good dough. You know, sometimes a third of what you'd make on a whole shift. Yep. So I'm doing donuts in the intersection, and we head down. First stop is Mousies, and what it and he had a couple of drinks there. Uh, and what had happened was his sister had con, con, had taken most of his funds because he was a severe alcoholic. Um, but mel had that particular day had an idea so we wind up at the oval room because he has a dayton's card and we go into the oval room together uh and he's throwing money at me like it's free and he says all right he gets a salesperson says grab some shirts and i said what size he goes doesn't matter what and size just <laughs> grab some shirts so i'm gonna like, grab an armful of shirts and he's grabbing <laughs> pants and all kinds of stuff and it's like it's like $1,200 worth of clothes, which is a lot of money then. Throw it in the back of the truck. He goes, take me to the Flame Room. Well, the Flame Room was oh. another notorious oh. bar on, on 13th and Nicollet, kind of where I think Pings is now, if you're familiar with the neighborhood. And it was a hangout for dope dealers and pimps and all kinds of people with alternate streams of income that didn't always get reported correctly to the feds. Uh, we get out front, and he goes, honk the horn. So I honk the horn once, and he goes, Haunt the effing horn! So I'm just leaning on it, and he gets out and he's standing on the roof of the cab. And he's not a big guy. I mean, he's maybe five, four, and 140 pounds or something like that. And he's already hammered, so he's having a hard time standing up. Sure enough, the bar empties out, and they see this white guy standing on top of the cab, and he goes, All right, open the trunk! And uh, so I opened the trunk, and he goes, clothing sale, $5 an item, cash only. And so all oh. these people are, like, grabbing all this. And they're really nice, you know, $20 dress shirts and stuff. And that's how he funded the drinking exhibition. <laughs> and we wound up Brass Rail. Uh, God, I can't remember all the places we went to. I don't think the filling station was still open back then. But, uh, you know, eventually we ran out of the and he took him home. And he did try me on, but... I remember hearing stories about this guy from the old drivers for years and years.
0: Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. All three of you. I was watching TV the other night, and I saw something I haven't seen in about three years. Somebody was riding in a limousine. What you the hell happened to the anymore. limousine? Yeah.
4: No, Never. Limousines are gone. They're, yeah, they're definitely like I. I feel like I used not all the time, but like you know, probably once a month you're driving around. You see a limo, but I can't even name the last time I've seen a limo. No,
0: no, it's just not cool anymore. Well, to I mean, they buy, must be impossible
4: to drive.
3: Well, for I don't know. You know, I don't make them anymore. Lincoln Town Car was sort of the the de facto limo for years. That's but they true. Haven't yeah, made Town Cars since. Five oh, five yeah. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. With
4: regulations, they, they're probably not allowed to drive something older than, you know, however, however yeah, old. Yeah, I would think
3: that that's probably so,
4: right. Yeah, that's probably, they just don't make them, I
1: guess. I think they all went to Florida. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the town cars <laughs> are in Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> probably true with the money no (laughs) Jim that was the
3: weirdest passenger I know you've got a million stories just launch into one it's
1: well you're talking about the Mm u-turn and I got this guy out of the hexagon I'm 19 years old probably stoned I get I get I always drove night two love the night drive I get this guy and he's gnarly old dude drunk he was probably mean,
3: thirty-five, right? <laughs> gives me the
1: address. Yeah. Well, he, he seemed about sixty, but yeah. he was probably forty. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he tells me the address, so I start going down Hiawatha Avenue. Everything's fine for about five minutes, and he starts screaming and yelling at me, swearing at me, calling me names, freaking out. Says I'm going the wrong way. Calmly tell him I'm going the right way. Keep going for a little while more. I get tired of him screaming, so I turn around. Drive the other way. We're driving and driving and driving. It's real quiet. Finally, he goes, "I think you're going the wrong way." <laughs> oh God. So
2: I turn the car back around.
1: <laughs> I drive. We end up in in an alley behind a house somewhere in South Minneapolis. And he says, "What I hated the worst. You'll have to go inside to get paid." Oh yeah. Oh. You never know what you're walking oh. into. So I step in this guy's back door. I'm standing by the back door. He goes in the kitchen around the corner somewhere back there. And I'm listening, and it sounds just like he's loading a gun. I hear this click, clack, these noises. So I'm holding the doorknob, and I'm ready to dive out the door, making a plan to stay alive. While you're stoned. While I'm stoned, (laughs) hoping to get paid. He comes around the corner. He's wearing his white Fruit of the Looms, nothing else. With cash, in, oh. with cash in his hands, he comes up and pays me. I just zoom out the door. <laughs> just one of many, many strange. I, I, can, if I can tell one more, sure. The other, the other, even more scary one of, of going in the building. I pick this guy up. He's drunk, also very drunk. He, he's going to a house near Eleventh and Franklin, which is sketchy, old houses. Yep. We're in an alley again. He goes, you'll have to come in to get paid. So I follow him in. We go in the back door. We're walking around in this house. He's trying to find a light. I can't find the light. He turns on the light, and he goes, this ain't my house. (laughs) I just about crapped my pants. I mean, you get shot in the wrong house. Yeah,
3: Leviton Franklin, you don't want to be going in the wrong house. So we
1: pile out the door on top of each run out the door. He runs away. I go back to my car, and... And, dr- and, and the door opens and a lady goes, did you just see somebody around here? I go, nope. Didn't see nobody. <laughs>
3: <But> <laughs> I, I got, I got a, one quick one and then we're going to have to take a break. We've got through the first segment already. Very similar to the previous story you told. I remember bouncer at Brady's uh, was, I was at 8th and up and roughly. W- waves mm-hmm. me over and I kind of know the guy. He goes, I got a guy in there. He tips pretty good but he's an A-hole and he's completely hammered. I'm like, oh Great. So a guy gets in the back seat, and I said, all right, where are you going? And the, it's hard to do this episode without swearing. I'm really trying hard not to. I, the, 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 uh, the fair says, none of your effing business. I'm like, okay. It's um, <laughs> not how this if works. If you want to go somewhere, you need to tell me where you're going. And he's kind of <laughs> looking at the floor. I said, do you know where you live? And he pulls out his wallet, and he gives me his license. And I said, is it 3942 32nd Avenue? And he goes, yeah, it's a greenhouse. (laughs) He was so hammered, he couldn't remember his address. So, anyway, (laughs) we will be right back with more cab stories uh, after this short announcement.
0: Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story... Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com. That's shift, the number two, sell.com because life is expensive enough. And we are back with stretches picks. Who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. weightwellbeing.com or call or text them at 952-491-6527 and catch the Continuum team on my podcast on Thursdays, 1115 a.m. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum weight and Wellbeing: life beyond weight loss mode.
3: We are back with Car Selling Secrets, the cab driving edition. Jim, we'll switch just to music for just a second. Um, Say, Doug,
4: who's the musician who made this song? Yes,
3: it's actually my wife and I, and so we we play bumper music that's not copyrighted, so we don't get in trouble. If you want to have bumper music on the podcast, just send me some MP3s, and we'll fade them in use them for fade-ins and Mm -hmm. fade-out. Before we get back to driving stories, let's talk a little bit about music. Uh, I, I, I really... I'm glad that you've kept this scene alive, and it's not just you. There's a lot of other people involved too. But tell people uh, about where you play, where some of the hot open jams are, so on and so forth. And and you know, it's kind of like a little bit like little league, right? Uh, where everybody gets to play, and some guys are great, and other ones is like, all right, you're learning.
1: <laughs> it's very interesting, you yeah. Know, and I'm, I'm I think I was born to do it because. I just seem to be able to get along with anybody and, and make it all work. And you know, you, the trick is, is you have to please a bar owner, mm-hmm. an audience, and you have, of course, the the jammers coming. Well, number one's the bar owner. Yes. So you you could make either the other two angry. Yeah. You know, we just we plug away anyway. Well, I, I, currently I have a jam in Bloomington at the at the everable clay vfw we do that first and third sundays now is that
3: the one that's behind cub
1: right used to be a roller rink used to be a budget power and uh that's going really well we're just packing them in that place and we get a lot of great players too well you had mick mccormick on here you know he started coming to the jam and i just hired him to be in the house band because he's outstanding you know mix great yeah and uh I also do Walewski's. I did Walewski's this Tuesday, Blues Jam. And that jam's been going since Frogtown. Yeah. I also went to that jam yep. with with uh, Leonard Shapiro, who's See, now Moses When I first started, started going
3: down there, the, the Leonard was the second guitar player, mm-hmm. and Danny Neal was the mm-hmm. opener, and they're just a terrific band. And Stevie Ray Renfrew, who was the Stevie Ray of Stevie's comedy, uh, deal was the harmonica player and he had mm-hmm. I still tease him he's got an he's a pretty good harmonica player but he did all this weird sort of karate moves while he's soloing. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And one quick blue saloon story. So this was yeah, I don't know ninety three, ninety-four and we're playing and we'd heard about he was still called Kid Johnny Lang at the time. He's fifteen, young hotshot out of North Dakota, just moved to the cities, hadn't you know re Bruce McCabe hadn't written Lie to Me yet. He just had just started his career. But none of us had heard him play, and he signed up. He's there with his dad because he's only 15. And he gets up, and he plays a couple uh, tunes, and he's really a terrific guitar player for 15, although at that time, every young blues guitar player wanted to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. So it was just like, oh, God, another Stevie. But he was clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the young gunslingers that were... But I'm thinking to myself, all right. Without sounding snotty, there's guys in every town that can play like that. What is the big deal? And so, in the next set, he says, "Hey, do you mind like come up and sing a song?" We're like, "Yeah, okay." And I don't know if it was Stormy Monday. It was, you know, it's the blues standard that you played way too many times. And he opened his mouth and went, "Holy crap!" <laughs> now, now I get it. Where did that 40-year-old soulful voice come out of that skinny little white kid from North Dakota? And a year later, he put his band together and was kind of off to the races. So that was fun to see that.
0: Great kid, by the way. Yeah. He was a wonderful guy. I remember the first time he appeared on the morning show. He was, what, 16, maybe, something like that? And when he broke, he was about 16? 16
3: or 17, I think, when that first album, the blockbuster, came out.
0: I swear to God, I thought he was going to pee his pants. (laughs) He was terrified.
2: He was was thrilled to be on the show. Yeah. he
0: was thrilled to be on the show and he was so excited to be on the show he was nervous as hell.
2: <laughs> what do you
3: mean I have that effect on people you do. Shut up, Doug <laughs> my buddy Tom Ryan who's been on a couple of times and now you know you guys are tight as tigers but the first time he was on and this guy is like the most bulletproof person I've ever met. he goes I did not sleep last night I didn't know what Tom's gonna say <laughs> to me and it's like, he's just a guy with a microphone he hasn't killed Has anybody that- in several weeks it's been a while it's true
1: it's that voice yeah it's the, yeah, it's the king of voices yeah.
3: it is you know the first time tom and i started doing commercials together and i had the headphones on and i heard that and i was like oh god this is just so weird
0: one of the great stories about that i just told a story away um,
3: uh,
0: i guess a couple two three weeks ago but uh i was i was interviewing a guy one time many many years ago he's a black man in america today right so we're just kind of sitting around talking on the uh, on the telephone before I put him on the air. And he's from out of town, so we, we don't know one another, all the rest of it. But because of my voice, I said, so what have you been up to lately, man? And he goes, kicking white folk ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I just started laughing. And he goes, did you get pissed off? I said, hell no, I didn't get pissed off. I laughed like a madman. I thought it was great. <laughs> he thought he was talking to a brother. <laughs>
4: Sorry, <laughs> I thought it was wonderful. Anyway,
0: moving out of your way.
4: Well, uh, you were talking about picking up uh, drunk people in your cab. Officer Dave's done that a couple times. You're just telling me uh, a while back he picked up a guy who blew a .26. Ooh, that's Whoa. yeah, that's like uh, that'll kill you if you're uh, you know not hardened to the. You know, in
3: my band days I used to get pulled over fairly regularly because um, I you know was in the car business and I'd be driving a demo with a demo dealer plate on the back at 2:30 in the morning. I think the odds of a car salesman being hammered at 2:30 are about 95%. And I always have, you know, I'd have a beer in between every set, but so I'd have four beers in 7 hours. I you know, I but there was a couple of times that I'm like, "Oh god, I just" you know, I'm not in trouble. And I'd blow like a .045 or a .5, and I'm like, man, if you're... Because if in those days, yeah. it was .1. got to be pretty hammered. That's, that yeah, oh, that's yeah.
4: actually, yeah, well, pretty, I still, pretty deep into it. Yeah.
1: Well, I also get pulled over every once in a while, too, you know, but I haven't drank for 35 years. Yeah. So I just roll down the window and say, hi, right in their face. I kind of <laughs> blow in their face. And they just they just look sad at me and go back to the car because they know. Yeah. They can tell.
3: <laughs> Leonard and I both got pulled over at different times by the same cop coming back from a gig in, in Ham Lake. Gun, really? The cop pulls me over and I'm driving a red Mitsubishi 3000 GT. You know, it just pretty much says arrest me. I'm stupid. Um, and he says, you know, why I pulled you over. And I said, no. He says, You're all over the fog line. I'm like, well I wasn't, but and I walked the deal and he puts the zip tie cuffs on me and stuffs me in the back of the car. Um, well, you know, he's by himself and I'm you know, I'm six four. I'm not really an intimidating person, but the cops are gonna protect themselves. I get it. And he gives me the breathalyzer test through the deal. Uh, and I, you know, it's point oh three or something like that, and he says, all right, and he goes, oh, so, well, who are you, what are you doing up here? And I said, well, I played a gig with a friend of mine, I said, play it every weekend in a band called The Authorities, and it's like, The Authorities, are you cops or something? And I said, no, but the bass player does have the big detective 70's mustache, and we're talking for a while, he's asking me all these questions. I he said, Hey, I, I don't, I'll sit here and talk blues with you all night, but could you cut these effing handcuffs off me? And he goes, Oh, sorry about that. Turn around. Here you go. So, so I uh, uh called Leonard the next day. I said, You wouldn't believe this crazy cop pulled me over, and we we're talking about music for 20 minutes. And he goes, Yeah, he pulled me over too, and I got a DUI. <laughs> oh. Although it turns out that um. The field test was wrong, and then I guess I've never had, you know, when you go to the jail, they do either a blood or a urine test, mm-hmm. and you get past that one easily, so anyway.
4: Well, the field test can be wrong if you had had anything to drink in the past, like, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. It might even be up to, like, 30 minutes. Oh, is that how Because it works? the alcohol stays in your mouth. Yeah. So, you know, you take half a shot of liquor, your blood alcohol level is going to be, like, .02, if that. But you're going to blow something much higher because oh, okay. the alcohol
3: is in your mouth when you blow. Which off. is why they do the test. Yep, See, we're exactly. learning all about drinking and driving. This is really a great thing, sponsored by an automobile dealer company. <laughs> this
1: will be our yeah. final show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you, are you still playing it? Playing it all? Or? No,
3: I, I, I'm not. I uh, uh, my wife was just a terrific singer, and I had a band, and we would play. Uh, not that much about once a month or so and i just when covid hit this is a weird deal jim and i know a lot of musicians that did this i thought this will be great i finally have some time to practice i had no desire to pick the guitar up and i just sat there for like seven or eight months and last winter we've got a little recording studio at home and we, my wife and i'll make albums and stuff just for fun but i'm not i'm not currently playing out so
1: well you should come to one of these jams uh, come come guys, sunday bring your wife all right
3: where are you at sundays
1: well sunday first and third sundays we're at everett McClay, Okay. behind the cub in bloomington and then i'm playing uh I'm,
3: okay wouldn't you play on Those Tuesdays.
1: are Tuesdays at 7. And so you
3: know Vant Washington.
1: Yeah, Vant hasn't been around for a little while, Reverend Vant.
3: Yeah, he was the yeah. deacon at the Episcopal Church that I went to. Yeah. And I could tell on when he spent a little too much time at the Blues Saloon because sometimes he'd fall asleep during service on Sunday.
1: Sometimes he fell asleep <laughs> while playing. <laughs> the blue saloon but the blue saloon can be kind of a fun place it
3: is that's a great for those that have never been there it really it's i think it's nicer than the old club uh,
1: well you wouldn't believe it we have blues dancers who come yeah and so we'll have 30 of these dancers dancing then you've got the neighborhood crowd then you've got blues people who love blues music then yep. you've got the musicians it's quite a large and it's
3: it's on is it on rice street I'm and and race and larp right around
1: LARP
3: and the corner from LARP LARP the lamplighter which i understood just closed
1: Oh, it did close. I just saw news yep, uh,
3: news yep. blurb on that a little while ago. That for those of you who don't know is a rather notorious.
1: Yeah, someone uh, got shot.
3: The
0: shoe shows. Yeah, yeah, that's why they closed it because another person got a woman got shot to death in a parking lot. I think. Oh, no. Yeah, last year.
3: I was I still doing Mondays at the old Blue Saloon when the guy got shot in the in the you know in the main floor bar. That kind of thinned the crowd out. <laughs>
0: Got yes. a quick uh, Blue Saloon story. Remember that really narrow stairway that went upstairs?
3: Oh, the one that we had to haul gear up and down all yes. the time? Cause they didn't yes, have an elevator. That yeah, I remember that one.
0: So this friend of mine plays the saxophone. And he goes, Tom, have you ever been over to Blue Saloon? I said, yeah, I've been over there. And he goes, would you take me over there? Because I'd like to you know, jump on stage with some people. I said, okay, but you gotta, you got to do me a favor. He said, what's that? And I said... Do not run your mouth. Just keep it to yourself. Say hello. Say, how are you? That's about it. Don't say anything else. He goes, okay. I said, no, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Don't say another word. Just say, hey, how you doing? Or whatever. That's good. So he's in front of me. I'm behind him. We're going up the stairs. And this very large man is coming down the stairs. And as he's coming down the stairs, my friend says to him, and I quote, how you doing, babe? The guy picked him up with one arm, held him straight out, and I had to beg him not to beat the piss out of my friend.
2: (laughs) What did I tell
0: you, you dumbass?
2: You know uh, what? How you
1: doing, babe?
2: (laughs) You guys, some you guys might know who Gene Hoffman is. played with the Bees. Yeah. Sax player. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Gene told me this story. He he was he was playing. I don't know if he was with Bees, and I don't I don't know what band he was with, but used to play. Pretty much every Saturday night, it was a bar in the north side of downtown that was uh, notorious. A lot of people got knifed there. Um, God, I wish I could remember the name of the bar.
3: North of Where? St.
2: Paul or Minneapolis? No, it was just on the north side of downtown Minneapolis.
3: Oh,
0: it was called uh, uh, something Alley, uh, Peacock Alley.
2: That I remember one? Peacock Alley. It was a diff- This was a different. Oh, so this one. was it different. Was- God, I wish I could remember exactly.
0: Was it less street- dangerous? <laughs>
2: It was very dangerous.
3: Most yeah. oh, yeah. those bars actually were. Even the Moose uh, Lodge was uh, on Plymouth, and was yep. a right. dangerous.
2: Well, this place was. It wasn't quite. you Remember the Savoy? Oh sure. Oh
3: sure. Yeah.
2: Now that that could be dangerous. Th- this was a slightly different one. This was pretty notorious, if there's such a thing as pretty notorious. And uh, but he told me that on Saturday nights it was pretty much routine when someone would get stabbed. <laughs> And and it wasn't, you know, and then someone did, people got killed every now and then, but uh, he said they would just kind of rope off the body and then people would dance around it.
1: <laughs>
2: I was
3: playing at the Mounds Park Lounge oh, uh, I when there. a customer at the bar passed out, went over backwards, hit his head, and died. Oh, oh. And so we stopped playing. There's a dead guy there, and this place is not that big. And the bar manager's like, what are you doing? So, where's the dead guy? I says, start playing. So, the dead guy there. <Tyr assessment> <coughs> you know, kept playing. This was. Oh
1: yeah. That's the rule. Keep playing.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Keep playing so no I, matter Mike,
0: what. Mike, I have a question for you. I, I got to figure out what this bar. Do you know what street it was on? Uh,
2: it might have been on. Uh, it 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 somehow in my mind it was it was might have been on like Fourth Street.
0: Fourth Street and how far north?
2: Not not that far north. It wasn't the Fourth Street Saloon, is it? What's that? Go ahead, Tom. What'd was you
3: it? say, Doug? I said the Fourth Streets alone, which is Fourth and Broadway. Mm-hmm. No, it
2: wasn't that far north at all. Okay,
0: so it was Tropic? Was it the Tropic Bar back then in those days? Just just north of the the entrance onto on, onto three ninety four. You know, it,
2: it would have been. It would have been very near that entrance under, under the highway, but it wasn't that. It was.
3: Uh, I it bet wasn't you it's the same Washington. bar, though. We're beginning to Washington. understand why Mike's cab driving career was one year long.
2: <laughs> well, you, you got to understand you it was Hudson? fifty years ago. Okay, you that's fair. A long time ago. So, you know, it's uh, amazing I remember it at all. But genius to tell the story. Gene was a great saxophone player. You know, I don't fu- know if he probably still is.
1: It's funny you mention him because he started coming to some of the jams I was hosting and I got to know him pretty well. He's yeah. a very nice guy. Yep. Great player and he would, and I used to go to Willie's jam in at the Richfield Legion all the time uh, before mm-hmm. he passed and sometimes he would come there too and and Willie would treat him very well of course because also kind of musician royalty in the city. But he moved away. He went to live with his son or daughter in Washington, I think. So he's oh, okay. he's moved out of town.
3: I, I, I used to see them all the time in the 70s and early 80s. What a terrific band that was. Oh, mm-hmm. God, they were good.
1: Jamming with Willie was interesting. Yeah. Uh, there, he, he would do anything at all to right. try to shake everyone up. Very fun.
3: Moses told me he backed up uh, Hubert, someone who was uh, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Muddy Waters' guitar player, at the Blue Saloon, and Hubert would count would count off songs like this, arr, 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 and he just started playing. He had no <laughs> idea what the song was, what key it was, um, but you know it's it's not complicated music. The, the 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 trick to the blues is to play it with feeling. But uh, said so that, and and Moses was a little intimidated. Hubert,
1: someone just turns around, and goes, "Uh-uh." It's like, wow. I get to meet him. <laughs> oh, did you really? At the at the uh, at uh, famous Dave's, he played, and everybody, all the band came out from backstage, and Hubert was still back there, and I just snuck back there and said hi. Nicest, gentlest guy. Isn't that Very nice? sweet. He said, "He said I was just over in England for my seventieth birthday." Jeff Beck and. Eric Clapton and Keith Richards flew me over and threw me a party. God,
3: isn't that great? Oh, what?
1: What a nice thing, you know. Yep. I thanked him for the uh, uh did it, did it, did it, did it, that lick. I said I've been playing that forever, man. It's the best. And he wrote that. And it was Howlin' Wolf he played. Howlin'
3: Wolf. That's right. I'm sorry. I have to get, take myself out back and punch myself in the head with a bag of pennies.
1: Equally great, Blue yeah. though. Oh yeah, no
3: doubt. Let me tell you
1: a
0: story. I love that. (laughs) I do. I love it when they do that. No question. It's kind of fun just sitting back listening to you guys talking about the good. I don't think people realize that can be a great life. It also can be an extremely hard life, correct?
1: Well, well, yeah,
3: for sure. Well, I mean, uh, driving cab is a tough way to make a living, but it's a lot easier than, than playing guitar in blues bands. Well, the, right. two, are,
1: the two are kind of similar. Yeah. I mean, you're entertaining right, yeah. people and sort of getting paid if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get rich. Playing music.
3: Sometimes a solid body guitar is your friend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, you have to be the right kind of person. Yeah, you know. And I'm a band leader, and that's even more tricky because you have to convince the other guys you're not the leader. Right. Because all musicians have authority problems. Oh,
2: by the way, I just came (laughs) up with the name of the band. What's that? It
1: was the Blue Note. Oh, the Blue Note. Note. I remember Mm -hmm. that.
2: Well, that was up in North Minneapolis. Was it that far north? Okay.
0: Yeah, the Blue Note was right next to uh, Jack Clark's. It was on 7th, just north of 55. Okay,
2: yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway, yep. it was the Blue <clears> Note, <throat> yeah.
0: That's my first time I ever got kicked out of a bar, and I was only four years old. Your voice hasn't changed yet. I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting at the bar. I'm four years old, just you know, hanging out watching him play Bumper Pool. And a guy playing Bumper Pool looks at me. I'm four years old, and he says, what do you think I should do with this shot, kid? I said, I don't know, pal. <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> four-year-old kid i don't know pal <laughs> like right Very said, i nice, don't know man. babe <laughs> hey babe i don't know what to tell you babe Nah, uh, that was great yo, jack clark's that was another great bar the blue note and jack clark's that's phenomenal you know, that's I met- wonderful
3: i mentioned the fourth street saloon which is on fourth and broadway it's just sure west of uh 94 a little bit i was playing in a rock band uh, and we had a gig up there in the 90s and the, the the band leader the front man who's a really good friend of mine opened the set with brown sugar I'm like dude are you out of your mind mm-hmm. not a good Fortunately, idea at that everybody bar. was so hammered in the Ooh, audience that they're like this is great man. I'm like come on
0: yeah, let's not sing. Let let's whip the women. Yeah, whip the just, women about, just around yeah. midnight.
2: Yeah, it's not, Yeah, you
0: don't want to sing that up I, in that neighborhood. I think that's. I just, b- I
2: just came up with the address for the blue note. Not that anyone <laughs> cares anymore, but it was six twenty two Eleventh Avenue North.
0: Yeah, that's exactly okay. it. Yeah, just yep. just south of Plymouth Avenue.
2: Yeah, you were right. Yeah.
0: Again, Jack Clark's right next door. Mister N- Mister Nibs was up there. All that stuff. There were tons so, of bars Mr. up there. Oh, Mister Nibs, sure. Absolutely.
1: I think for me, the most dangerous bars I ever were in would be Moby Dick's and Brady's, both of those. I mean, I'm I'm 19 years old. I got no business. You didn't have
2: to worry about the customers at Moby Dick. Those
1: two bouncers.
2: Yep. Was Chuck
0: one of them at the time? Do you remember? Was one of the guys named Chuck. I tried not to talk to him. (laughs) A friend of mine that was a bouncer at that bar, and I'll never forget walking. This guy, I have huge hands. His hands were twice as big as mine. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy was big. And as I'm walking up to him, I'm I'm about to say, hey, Chuck, how you doing? He says to this guy, look, here's how it is. You can go out the front door and go home, or you can go out the back door and go to the hospital. Exactly. (laughs) And many that
3: was true. I used to oh, play at a that was true. place on the east side <laughs> called Pebbles. It was like 7th and Minnehaha or something. and neighborhood. It was close to the Mounds Park Lounge, same clientele. When they'd get kicked out of Mounds Park, they'd go to Pebbles, right? It was a, but the bouncer there was a pretty good guy. <laughs> His name was Cowboy, and he was like 6'8", probably 3 and a quarter, and he wore a big cowboy hat. So he looked like, you know, it just looked like a statue. And every once in a while, somebody would try him on, and I'm watching he's in a, kind of a hassle with a guy at the door. And he sticks his hand out, grabs the guy by the neck, and he goes outside and don't see anything. And he comes back in and we're set break. And I go over and says, hey, cowboy, I saw you. A little tussle at the door. Everything okay? And he goes, customer zero, cowboy 487. <laughs>
1: it's like, why would you mess with
3: somebody that big? I mean, even I if you take him out, he's going to fall on you and kill you. Yeah. Right? It's,
4: it's Goliath. So uh, we have Tyler Carver for one last little story because we are at the end of the show. Okay. Oh, we are already gone. Yeah. No, just didn't want didn't didn't want to interrupt the middle, but I just wanted to thank Tom on the morning show. I won the Jim Gaffigan tickets this morning. Oh, there you go. So, oh, for Christ's sake,
0: you. it's not fair, Jim. Who?
3: gaffigan sorry (laughs) jim who
0: (laughs) yeah there you go
3: that's great man i'd love to see him i think that he's a great guy just i watched some of his specials and i think i think he's just terrific he's a great great comedian
0: andy what did he give you the first time you met him as a as a teenager the poster what did it say on the
4: poster Uh, congratulations on getting out of prison (laughs) I think I was
3: 15.
4: He was 15. Oh.
3: Gaffigan,
4: Gaffigan gives him a poster. that says, congratulations
0: congratulations, getting out of prison."
3: Oh, Tom, I got to tell you this quick. We uh, we had some dealers in from out of town do, on the Walzer tour, and we took them to your favorite restaurant in, in Bloomington, uh, Layla. And uh, love it. You know, young woman comes over and says, ah, "This is your first time." I said, "No, I've eaten here several times." As is my friend these people it's their first time they're from out of stage as well is it a special celebration and i said yeah he just got out of prison <laughs> she's like, her eyes get really big and he says yeah i'm on the dateline show next week i can if you want to watch it i <laughs> mean and she's just like oh my god <laughs> and there's a couple sitting to the table next to us and they're just cracking up was than hell, so. anyway a fabulous meal uh, uh, we had i've never had a bad meal there if you're looking for a fun and affordable place to to go it's in the old Tell, which is now is it a sheraton i think hmm. i think I it's think a so. Sheraton. it's the old uh shea uh, Colettes but it's now a uh, a, yep. a new restaurant it's been there for three or four years and it's just it's terrific a fun place to go
0: by the way you gave me a great memory to leave with because when you brought up you know moby dicks and brady's and all that as a teenage boy i'm, I'm, a, I'm a uh Stockboy at Dayton's and and I'm I'm a teenager, got some money in my hands. I get to go to Music City, I get to go to Music Land. Remember that corner was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I loved that corner. Seventh mm-hmm. and Hennepin. God,
1: that was great. Venice Cafe. I loved the Venice, Venice Cafe. Yep.
3: Yeah, the Venice was great. The haberdashery right up the street. Indeed. This could go on forever. I think we're going to have to have Jim back, and we'll tell more stories about cab driving and guitar playing in old Minneapolis, and this has really been fun. So it's the end of our show. We will be back next week for Episode 123 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Drive safely, everybody. No DUIs. Drinking and driving is bad. (laughs) ¶¶